Hello, everybody, and welcome to Elmtown, episode 30. Today, we're going to be talking about accessibility with Tessa Kelly. You want to say hi, Tessa? Hi. Excellent. We'll get back to Tessa in a second, right after I thank our sponsors, Day One, which is the company I work for, a beautiful journaling and life archiving app for Mac and iOS and Android as well. And we're always working on web technologies there too, so keep your eye out for future possibilities. And I love Day One, and I'm really grateful to Day One for making it possible for me to do this recording while I'm at work. Daily Drip is our next sponsor, which makes keeping up to date on programming skills easy. Daily Drip will save you a ton of time by providing quality lessons and resources for you right off the bat. Some of the topics that Daily Drip offers include Elixir, Crystal, React Native, Go, HTML, and of course, Elm. All these super cool, hot languages, especially Crystal is brand new too. Learn faster and more efficiently with Daily Drip and be a better developer. Every weekday, you'll get a short video about five minutes or so delivered to your inbox. You can sign up today at dailydrip.com and use the coupon code ELMTOWN, all lowercase, all one word, ELMTOWN-2018 for the year 2018, and you'll get a 14-day free trial. Last but not least on our sponsors list, we want to send a big thank you to Ellie, Elm Live Editor, for sponsoring the bandwidth for this podcast. Ellie is a great way to get some small examples in Elm up and running on the web right away. It's a good playground, a good place to experiment, and a great place to put up examples, reproducible examples, if you're looking for help on Elm Slack or on the Elm forums. Fantastic. Thank you to Ellie. Now... I have a special announcement to make. I am organizing, co-organizing an event called the Framework Summit in Park City, Utah on October 2nd and 3rd. This is a place where representatives of different frameworks will come together and in a non-toxic, a constructive kind and happy way, uh, help attendees to learn about the different aspects of different front-end frameworks and learn, uh, help them to make educated decisions as to what's going to be best for their team. So this is not going to be a framework throwdown where people are going to go to argue and uh, and be derisive of one another. Rather, this is going to be a constructive environment where people, attendees can go, their companies can send them, or they can go individually to come and learn more about the different options that are available in different frameworks and why one would be used and not another, et cetera, and kind of choose what's best for them. Uh, so that's going to be on October 2nd and 3rd. Hopefully Richard Feldman will be there. I say hopefully because you never know what the future holds, but he is on the speaker list. So I feel comfortable saying that. Uh, he'll be there talking about Elm and we all love the way Richard talks. And guess what? You could be there too because the CFP is open, the call for papers. So if you are interested in attending and listening or speaking, go ahead and head over to frameworksummit.com, all one word, and check it out. Let me know what you think. But it would be fun to see you here in Park City in Utah on October 2nd to 3rd. I don't live in Park City, but it's close to me anyway. Whew, that was a lot, but we're going to wrap it up with a big thank you to Fergus Mickeljohn, who produced this episode. Thank you so much, Fergus. I really appreciate your contributions and your help. Now, to the real reason we're here, Tessa, let's talk Let's talk a bit about accessibility, but first, why don't, since you haven't been on in a few episodes, why don't you give us a recap, introduce yourself a little bit and let people know who you are. All right. Well, hello. Uh, I'm Tessa. I'm an engineer at No Red Inc. Um, right now I'm a team lead and we're working on expanding and modifying and improving um, the writing product that we offer for helping teachers uh, teach students um, to improve their writing and express their ideas. And I'm also the creator and maintainer of the Accessible HTML Library. And I'm often involved in Elmbridge, 
um, which has uh, on the curriculum available for anyone to peruse um, on GitHub that our focus is on running events uh, to help get underrepresented people into the Elm community. Very cool. So there's so there's some free training material online, but mostly it's about organizing events to go. I mean, who, who would be interested in these events? Who is kind of encouraged to come and how would they find out more about it? Yeah, so to find out more, uh, you would go to Bridge Troll because um, Elmbridge is part of the Rails Bridge umbrella organization. So our events are all posted on um, Bridge Troll or you can follow the uh, Elmbridge account on Twitter um, in terms of who we're trying to reach. Uh, women, people of color, queer people, just people who are generally not particularly well represented in the Elm language community at this point. Right now, we only have um, run events in San Francisco, but the curriculum and the materials are online. So if people want to start additional events, they're welcome to. Brilliant. All right. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about accessibility. Uh, first thing, that's just a word that not everyone knows what it means. So what are we talking about, Tessa, when we mention the word accessibility? Yeah, so I think fundamentally we're talking about uh, you can see the information and you can use the information and you can interact with the site. So for, for many people, a website being accessible means that they can use their mouse and click on things and um, listen to any sound or watch any videos or see notifications. Um, but that's not true. That's not the primary mode of interaction for everybody. Um, and so like accessibility is about making sure that everybody actually can interact and use um, a web application. So what are some specific examples of someone who would have a hard time using a normal website that's designed for clicking and pointing and et cetera, like you said? So if you're someone who has trouble uh, using a, a touchpad, maybe because of tremors of some kind um, or a mouse, you might prefer to navigate using your keyboard. So you have like discrete actions to, um, to navigate across the page. Um, and so for that particular user, it's very, very important that they can see like focus styling. Um, so when they're selecting their, they have focus on an element, like a button, they see the little blue outline deal. Although you can style that however you want, so long as it's um, apparent. And then they're able to, to use enter or space or an arrow key to interact with that element. Um, for other users, maybe they are not able to distinguish um, colors with low color contrast or aren't able to differentiate between red and green. And that's actually quite common. Um, that people aren't able to make those distinctions. Um, so for for them, it would be more important that you're if if you're presenting a chart um, or information um, that's distinguished by color, that there's either other color options that are higher contrast, or um, uses textures like uh, visual textures to distinguish um, different so there's patterns. Like different patterns. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, yeah, what's the word for a texture that you just look at? Um, <laughs> you don't have to feel with your fingers, right? Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not there yet as far as um, 
computer screens. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so there's, I guess there's just, there's a lot of different um, use cases that uh, a developer has to keep in mind when trying to, to design um, uh, like alternative user flows. And then there's the big world of like, how does your web page sound for those who don't even see, right? Who, yeah. who can't yeah. see colors or graphics or shapes at all. How, how does the information get into their minds too? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a lot of work. I mean, that that's a huge task because you're not just aiming for one group of people. When I say that, I'm referring to accessibility in general because really what you want is you want the site to be accessible to everyone including people who have the ability to use a mouse, but also those who don't and those who can't see. I mean, in general, you're just trying to make it so that the information you're presenting and the tools you're presenting can be used by many different people with many different uh, challenges, right? So, I mean, with such a huge task in front of us, like how do we even start to chip away at this? Yeah, well, for one thing, I think it's kind of a familiar task as front-end developers. Um for people who do mobile first uh, or who are supporting really varied browsers, um, you're already part of the way there in terms of supporting different user agents. Like you're not just supporting, um, hopefully, uh, a single version of Chrome. You've got all of these different browsers and all of these different um, modes of interaction already. You're already dealing with touch events and um, maybe scroll events or are different. So I think that the, like from my perspective, it's just keeping in mind these other user segments as well, but it's already a, a fairly, a fairly familiar problem landscape, I guess. So that, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to come at it from the view of having been a developer in, in recent years. Uh, I feel like there's a lot of kind of anxiety around accessibility in places that don't have someone who already knows a lot about how accessibility works. At least as I experienced in the past, like this, this kind of feeling of a moral obligation to make our stuff accessible, but nobody knows how. And uh, it sounds like a big, hard challenge because also nobody knows how to test to see if they actually, if it's working, like if they actually are accessible, those are some challenges that I faced while trying to start to get into the world of accessibility. I'm guessing, Tessa, that you weren't born with accessibility uh, skills already in your brain, right? So is this, <laughs> have you kind of like taken on this challenge voluntarily or were you assigned to it? How have you learned what you know now? Yeah, I think um, I, I definitely started with the feeling of anxiety that you mentioned, like there is this moral obligation. We all want to do right by our users, um, but we don't know how. Uh, so I actually started the accessible accessible HTML library um, partly as a learning exercise to just to try to distill down what the spec said so that it was in a format that I could uh, personally work with and, and try to apply and... Um, to put the documentation and uh, the information that I needed as a developer where I could really use it. Mm, um, yeah. So can sense. you, if you pause for a second, can you mm-hmm. give us an idea about what kind of documentation you're meaning? Like what, what do you refer to when you say that? Yeah. So if you check out the web accessibility initiative, there's 
guidelines, um, examples, recommendations, design constraints, checklists for evaluating accessibility, um, considerations of how to present it as a, as a business case, if that's something that's important for your team. Just a, a lot of information. Um, and so that's the Web Accessibility Initiative is part of the W3C, so W3.org. Okay. So it's um, part of the standards the standards of the web is like it's the web is also built with the consideration in mind for how to make these things accessible to the largest number of people possible. Correct. Yeah. 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 And so like any other part of the web, um, different parts of the spec are met to varying degrees. Um, if that, if that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) You You mean by browser vendors or by developers or both? Everybody. Like the um, various user agents have different levels of of implementation of the various attributes and um, definitely different web developers do a varied job on on implementing. Um, But I think my theory is that if we all buy into the spec and follow the spec, we'll be moving towards a a better world for the web, a better world web. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Is the is the spec hard to read for you? I mean, was that something it's, difficult for you to get through? It's long. I mean, there's just a lot of considerations. And I think generally people tend to learn better when working with a problem. So yeah. the, the problem that I made for myself was distilling the spec down to smaller components that related to the HTML pieces that I already knew. Um, but it's it's very workable to go to the spec when you have a question about associating a label with an input or should I do such and such or I'm making a modal, what do I do now? It's it's very useful for that kind of specific use case. I think reading it all could be helpful just to have an, an idea of like the general landscape of what's available um, and to have some a sense of like design considerations and and what to keep in mind, like what questions to ask when you're starting a project. But I think that high level view. Yeah. I think that like reading an example, example code for a slider when you don't want to make a slider or have a slider in mind, it won't stick with you. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Not, not quite as useful. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So with that in mind, then let's talk about the library that you created and have been working on and that you presented on at ElmComp. So I'm going to drop the link for that in there for your talk at ElmComp. The library you've been working on is accessible-html, right? And is that is that under your namespace or is that under no red ink? That's under my namespace. So T-E-S-C-9, Tesc9. Okay. Um, so tell us more about it because it seems super cool to me. It seems like what you're doing here is trying to like bake the concepts of accessibility into the API so that it's not, so it's not the problem with HTML is that it's kind of designed for uh, non-accessible first in a way. It's like the easiest way to use HTML is to not worry about accessibility and you just go for it and design for people who can see and use a mouse and, uh, it seems like the awesome thing about your library to me is that the API is changing around to say, no, let's not take that approach anymore. But let's say from the beginning, uh, using the type system, 
let's always look at these problems with accessibility in mind. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I think HTML is just very forgiving. Um, it, it lets you do whatever you want. If you don't close a tag, it's like, all right, that's probably fine. Um, (laughs) and that could be really nice, but it also does mean that you don't know if you've, um, accidentally got a, a, a property name slightly wrong or um, you passed something just like the wrong information. It doesn't make sense. Or you didn't properly associate elements in the tree with each other. Uh, mm, yeah. So, so those pieces, I think. So then the library that you're writing is taking care of a lot of those kind of like manual tasks of did I did I make sure to ha- have a label that's connected with a name that goes to the right input? Is that a lot of what gets automated? Uh, yeah, some of it some of it changes the like Elm HTML API to uh, to mandate specific specific properties, um, like with with images. Say, alt text is optional. Um, in in HTML, uh, but user agents, if you don't provide alt text, will still think that probably you want to provide some information about about the image to to users. And so instead of reading out the the alt text, it'll read out the file name, which is Oof. maybe fine unless you have uh, like like a version control in your file name. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that the accessible HTML library does is rather than following the beautiful Elm HTML pattern, where it's always a list of attributes and a list of children in the, for the API to make an image, uh, there's an image helper that requires alt text and then a list of attributes and produces just an image and images can't have children. So dropped the, drop the children. Perfect. Um, or a decorative image, which is explicitly not going to um, going to set the alt text to an empty string on your behalf, uh, so that you don't need to know that that funky detail about the about the actual spec. Um, but actually, the bulk of the library is probably in pulling over all of the attributes and properties that the um, that the ARIA spec describes. So uh, roles and statuses and um, describing the information hierarchy of the page, providing just other options that aren't in the main HTML set of possible nodes at this point. In Elm HTML in that library currently, is that what you mean? No, I mean in in HTML in general. There's, um, There's things that you might want in in HTML to use as a semantic element that um, you can't yet. I don't know. Maybe you want uh, a tab. Mm, There's right. not like the, yes. the tab semantic element, but you still want to communicate the meaning of a tab. Um, and so there's a role tab um, and a role tab list and a role tab panel, or there's toolbar or a tree. So in some ways, in my mind, the accessibility spec is ahead of 
the main HTML spec in terms of the semantic options it provides. Then does does accessible HTML expose those components functionally, or does it just expose the naming for those things? I mean, would is there like a tab component, like a tab view function that I can use to have neat HTML tabs, or, or is it just like use this to name something a tab? So there's um, a, a module within the library that's accessibility role, and the the role section. Um, it's pretty much a straight make an attribute helper library that maps to how how roles work um, in the in the spec. And then uh, there's also some of those have additional helpers that that will make the HTML for you. Okay. Um, but it's the the work on adding the the helpers for actually making the HTML is a little slower because you get into associating items with each other, like the the tab um, and tab panel ideas, they need to relate to each other in a meaningful way. And making a good API for that is a little bit harder than making the component pieces. Right, that makes sense. So just a little bit behind. But the dream is definitely to have really easy to use and clear HTML constructors. Sounds wonderful. But what were some of the challenges that you've had while you're developing this? I mean, I imagine that there's been, it hasn't just been straight shooting from the beginning that you're like, oh, I, I know how to do everything perfectly. Like what, a, what are some of the stuff you've undone or changed or discovered that you wanted to shift? One thing was the initial name was elm-html-a11y. Mm. But that's um, hard to say aloud because I always panic when I get to the, ally or a11y bit accessibility <laughs> how do i say this aloud totally. and then people won't understand it because it's it's communicated that ah uh, uh, what a terrible let's name. just let's um, drop that in that that's so a, then a I, I renamed the i made it like a new repo and renamed it and then the follow-up challenge from that was uh turns out if you move if you like copy a, a repo um it takes your tags with you so i had had some fun with like my, my get tags being a little bit messed up initially. Uh, so that was a challenge, but it was resolved. I just really wanted to quickly throw in for people that A11Y is kind of an English convention uh, because accessibility is such a long word to say that people drop all of the letters in between and there are 11 letters in between. So they just said A11Y to say accessibility for short, which is funny because it's totally inaccessible. Like when, when I first saw that, I was like, well, what on earth does that mean? Until someone explained it to me. So that's what you're saying, Tessa. Like you got rid of the confusing name and used a non-confusing name, correct? Yes, yes. And uh, I think it's it's been much easier to communicate what the library is actually about and what the library name is. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So what about the API? Have, have you kind of stuck with the same pattern since the beginning, or have you had any major changes in the way that you've approached solving the problem? Yeah, there have definitely been some changes. Um, one, like really awesome, in my opinion, um, improvement was suggested by Evan. Uh, and that was, so it, it the library copies aliases, I guess. It aliases um all of the HTML helpers in Elm HTML, like div and span and button and just everything. But it only um, 
it leverages the type system to prevent the compiler from allowing um, like a random div say to um, be clickable. So you can't oh, okay. actually attach event listeners to um, elements that oughtn't to have event listeners um, kind of by default. So if you import the accessibility library and then you expose everything and then make a div, um, it won't let you put an event listener on that div. Which is awesome because it's so easy to just do that in real HTML life and do stuff that isn't accessible. So that's great. Way to make impossible or states you shouldn't do impossible, right? <laughs> yeah, well, it's not it's not quite impossible um, since you can still import the regular HTML um, sure. and, and, and pop an event listener on there. But I'm not recommending that. Yeah, oh, yes. The existence it's like, of escape hatch doesn't mean you should use the escape, escape hatch. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. That's right. Good points. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, so that's great. So we're almost uh, at, at our time. So I want to see if there are any other points you want to highlight or other cool things you wanted to shout out about the library. So the newest version of Elm CSS actually also kind of wraps the Elm HTML, but it does a little bit more fancy stuff um, that means that the the HTML styled um, HTML node, like the Elm CSS HTML node and the Elm HTML HTML node aren't actually the, the same type. And there's a conversion within Elm CSS that can get you from one to the other. Um, but what that would mean is if you're using accessible HTML, then you would need to be doing a conversion back and forth everywhere and it would be terrible. So instead of it being terrible, um, there's an additional library that, that wraps accessible HTML and Elm CSS for exactly the use case of I'm using Elm CSS and I want to use accessible HTML. Well, mind blown. What's that library called? Is that accessible HTML? It's yeah, it's task nine and it's accessible HTML with CSS. So a nice, Amazing. easy name, I hope. Yeah. Okay, that's great. So there is a way to use both the libraries. I was going to ask about interop, so that's a neat way to go. That was that. Do you have to keep those up to date in lockstep, or is that kind of a small shim? Um, we do have to we do have to update them, but I think that neither Elm CSS nor Accessible HTML should be dependent on each other because it assumes a fair amount about what potential users of the libraries would actually want. So it does seem like it makes the most sense to have um, a third library that makes it nice to use them together. Uh, but we'll see what, what happens in the future. Well, excellent. Uh, I think that wrap, about wraps up our, our time. I keep tripping over my words today. Wraps up our time. So uh, let's get to the part where do you have anything, any picks, any suggestions you want to make to the audience, Tessa, before we say goodbye? Oh, man. Um, so I think that some themed literature type stuff from this year, if you haven't seen Black Odyssey, you should see Black Odyssey, and then you should read, uh, The Penelope Ad by Margaret Atwood, and then you should read Lavinia by Ursula K. Le Guin, and that will be a lovely mixture of retold old stories. 
Well, way to go. Okay, cool. So those are your picks. I do not have any picks for the moment. So I think that's the end of the show. Thank you so much for coming on to talk about accessibility, Tessa. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Absolutely. All right, everybody. Until next time. Thank you. <laughs>